Okay, uh, so continuing the uh, Perik Gimel, um, uh, Sid Beis, what are they called? I don't want to call anything. Okay, that's his uh, Sim Beis. <coughs> so the Ramchal says, uh, in order to, so what the Ramchal laid out in the beginning, the whole concept, the purpose of creation, concept of Hatova, and I went to very extensively the concept of Vegas, what the revelation really wants, <coughs> and so on, you know, what it, what it is. But the real question, of course, is, okay, so what's the, what's the wherewithal to this? How do you achieve this? You know, so clearly what the revelation has to do is create an entire uh, setup, let's use that word, setup, with all the appropriate elements in place. And that setup will allow an individual to achieve the purpose or to uh, accomplish the objective, which is the purpose of the Kriya. So therefore, <clears throat> Ramchal is going to mention some of the fundamental or essential elements that are required <clears throat> for the setup. So he says <clears throat> that what the Bansham did is he created, which is interesting, two different elements, but the, it's not just two different elements that can be combined. It's two elements which are exactly opposing in nature. It's interesting. It's two elements, two things, so to speak, okay, and each, each one's nature will oppose the other. So what you have here, fundamentally, if that's the case, is a being that is composed of these two elements, that have opposing natures, will never know rest. Obviously. He'll always be in a state of combat. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's like, can you have, imagine one element is water, and the other element is fire. You know? Assuming that they can coexist together. Right? What, 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 what's going to be the uh, experience here? What's going to happen? Well, obviously, the fire is always going to try to extinguish the water, and the water is always going to try to put out the fire, you see. So this is the problem of mankind, that he is created with two specific elements, both which have the exact opposite nature, which leaves him always in a state of combat, unrest. That's why when a guy dies, they say that, what, he went to his rest? Right? You know, that doesn't mean he went to the uh, Holiday Inn, you know, or the workplace like that. He went to his rest because fundamentally he has been in conflict, combat, his entire life. And there's nothing he can do about it because he just has two different elements. You know, the only way to solve it is to remove one of the elements, which is exactly what happened. The guy dies, so the physical element is gone, so the other element is by itself. Well, no conflict, you see. That's why we say a guy dies, goes to his rest. He went to his menucha. Probably feels very good. He feels good in one sense, but the problem is, you know, when you're finally dead, you probably feel very good that you're dead. And then you wonder why everybody's crying out there. You probably want to cry for them, you know. It's, usually that's what happens. I mean, when, there's, when the person dies, and whoever he is leaves, his ego is in the shum or whatever, um, and he's looking at everybody else in the audience because he... Uh, when he dies, he doesn't leave. He hovers over the body. And he's in shock. <coughs> so the is in shock. 
And, uh, you know, but eventually what happens is, you know, the neshama becomes very aware of its own nature and so on, you know. So we mourn the neshama because we mourn the loss and so on. But does the neshama mourn us and so to speak? Not really, no. Because it knows the truth. It knows that eventually everybody dies. And eventually it will be rejoined because it is in the reality of death, you know. Whereas everybody else is alive, everybody else fears death. Because most, a lot of the fear, there's two denim of the fear. You want to use a brisk attack, you know. One din of the fear is the uh, element of uh, the unknown. Nobody knows. So, therefore, when nobody knows, everybody fears what? Annihilation or extinction. The complete extinction of the being. Everybody's afraid of that, you know? Because within us, we have the tendency to want to live forever, you know? So, that's a fear. Uh, is a concept, is, a, is the possibility of extinction, you know? Uh, and then, of course, we experience fear because it's automatic. There's no way. In fact, the most, the greatest psychological force known to man that will determine almost everything. What's the greatest need of man? Survival. Survival, or call it a different word, self self preservation. That's right. The greatest psychological need of an individual, of any being that lives, is self preservation. And that is a built-in part of the structure. Because if not, could you imagine about just walking around with a switch? That if you want, you can just flip a switch and instantly terminate it. I would think by now most of mankind would have pulled the switch already, you know? <laughs> there are so many people, you know, they just don't have the courage to go through with it because as far as they know, the alternative is extinction, complete annihilation, you know? But you'd be surprised, you know? Um, I remember I was once, uh, was once in Egypt, <laughs> anyway, um, and uh, I, I was in a taxi driver. I remember, never forgot this, you know. It was an Egyptian guy. I took a taxi because I wanted to go into the Egyptian Museum, which is incredible. Anyway, so we passed the street, and he had to stop by a line. And in that street, somebody had died, and they were carrying the coffin. And I don't know what they, they, they were all screaming, you know, and all that, you know. I remember this taxi driver looked at that. Um, funeral procession with envy with envy you know and he said you know he wishes he was there why because it was terrible the struggle to provide a livelihood in Egypt at that time this was 1990 mm, 19, 1983 long time ago uh, the survival was just too much for him Standing, you know, because he was a taxi driver. Meanwhile, there was like 80 other taxi drivers looking for people. I mean, how how, often, how much can you make a living that way? And he envied the guy's death. You know, I mean, does that mean he would pull the switch? Maybe. You know. So fortunately, the Russian did not provide us with a switch. So if a guy wants to kill himself, he has to go through a real laborious process. Like taking cyanide, or you know, you can't take cyanide. Like walking in front of you know, what? Walk in front of a train. I mean, whatever, whatever you know. Two, Jump off the roof. Yeah. There's two reasons why people are afraid of that. Yeah. Let's talk about the first one. Hmm. Uh, well, the first is the fear of extinction. Right. You know? Um, so that person is afraid because he's afraid he won't survive. 
Um, I think probably another. Well, one is psychological. It's not. There's no rationale. You're afraid to die. It's, there's no thought involved. You know what I'm saying? There's no. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 a it's a an instinct that you need to survive. You don't think about that. You automatically take actions that will enable you to survive. So you have that. You know. You can't. So you can't. It's very difficult to fight the instinct of self-preservation. You know, it's very hard. That's why most people who are mi actually miserable won't commit suicide. Very difficult to go against. What's interesting is man is the only, just like Agav, man is the only creature that can commit suicide. Only, there's only one animal that can commit suicide. Lemmings. The lemmings. No, they don't. What? No, it's not true. It's not true? You know, there's a legend of the, well, it's not a legend, the lemmings. And on mass, they go over the cliff, you know, and they kill themselves. It was, you know, it's not true. Anyway. Okay. But anyway, man is the only creature. It's not suicidal. Everybody, everybody who came onto the topic is, we started with the combat between the two yeah. elements. Anyway, so what this simply means is that man is in a perpetual Muhammad. No rest. That's the problem here. Why devotion to that? You know. So first of all, what are these elements? So the first one is called Minishama Sikhlis Vizako. The first element is a spiritual element called the Nishama. That's the first element. So what does he mean when he says sickness? Oh one second. And then the second element is Guf Atsi the The physical body that's uh okor is uh, dense, whatever, you know and uh, earthy, earthy. So you're talking about there's a, an entity which is physical and there's an entity which is spiritual. This is what we're talking about, okay? And what the Ramchal says is Each one, it's not that just two components, but each one pulls toward its side. So that obviously creates enormous conflict, you see. So each one presents tendencies, okay? So obviously the spiritual pulls so he says, the goof pulls to the Khumris, and then the Shoma uh, pulls toward the Sikhlius. The goof pulls toward the materialistic desires, or those desires which the body needs. It's a, it's, a, it's a better way to look at it, which obviously involves materialism. Whereas the fulfillment of the physical needs involves a materialistic encounter with the physical world, you know. So I'm not calling it material. Usually when you say somebody's materialistic, I mean, he wants more and more material, more cars, more money, you know, and so on, and all that kind of stuff, right? No. Homeo simply means a physical direction to fulfill the needs. And the Nishama to Sikhlius, and therefore you'll find a war between them. It's a constant state of combat that an individual is in. Never rests, like I said, until he's dead. Then we say he went on to his rest, whatever. Right? Now, what's interesting here is uh, these are the only two components that Ramchal mentions. That's very important. Okay. Uh, because we're used to thinking about the Sahara also and the Yetzirah, which we can get into. What, who is the Sahara? Who is the Yetzirah? That's a very interesting concept, right? And the uh, second thing is the concept of the Shaman Sikhlius. What does it mean then? Sikhlius. You know? What does it mean, Sikhlius? So Sikhlius means what? Intellect. In the world of intellect. You know, intellectual, and so on. Uh, now, 
Let's take a look at that. When we say that the goof, the niti of the goof, or the body draws you, or, or, or uh, forces you, or exerts a power over you, that you should go toward the physical, what does that mean? Is it bad or good or bad? No, it's not good or bad. What it really means is the body needs to sustain itself. See, we're talking about eating, sleeping, drinking, etc. You know, these are activities that the body must engage in in order to sustain itself. That's what he means by homeless, you know. Um, and therefore, automatically we must distinguish. Well, what's bad about homeless if that's the case? You know what I'm saying? So what's bad about it? And the answer is, it's not bad per se. You know, a person has to do what he needs to do to survive. In fact, there's a mitzvah sasei. What's a mitzvah sasei? You know? Who? No. 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 What? Exactly. You know, the Roshim says, I want you to be healthy. Which means, I want you to preserve the, what's called the vitality or the integrity of the, of the body. Because if not, obviously the guy dies, and so on. That's mitzvah sasei. <clears throat> and you find many references in Chazal, you know. To doing exercise in mitzvah sasei? Murdered mitzvah sasei. In fact, I once saw Chazal Nish say, it said something interesting. He said the Rabbanishma has tremendous ava, love, when a person takes care of his body. I mean, you know, the way he describes it. It's a tremendous mitzvah, he says. Uh, you know, so if a person is going to the gym, If a person is going to the gym <coughs> in order to allow, uh, for health reasons, you know, not to be a bodybuilder and, you know, so on, to, you know, contest and all that kind of stuff, you know. But if a person goes to a gym to do exercise, it's called strength training, or weight training, or resistance training, it's all the same thing, for the purposes of enabling his muscular structure, his bone and his mouth to be able to move and walk around, that's an incredible mitzvah. It's interesting. You know, people don't realize that and so on. You know? uh, so basically what Chumriyasi is, is merely to satisfy those needs that you need to survive. What it means. And that is a murdered mitzvah. It's like when Hila used to wash his face. So they said, what are you doing that for? She says, look, Moshim gave me the gift of the body. I got to take care of it. It's, it's really a present of God. You know, I need to take care of it. If a king gave you a gift, what would you do? You'd let it just, you know, fall apart. Which of course not. It would be precious. So Hillel said, and it's again, you know, you have to take care of the body. Washing is part of that because it removes bacteria, whatever, all the stuff that it so Um So this is very important. Okay, so then, when we say chumyas, we'll take a look later, you know, so then, what does it mean, we'll talk about the Yetzirah, then what is the Yetzirah in all of this, and so on. But anyway, so far, so, so he's saying that the, the body exerts a force for an individual to act in accordance with the needs of the body, period. There's no way you can get around it, basically, ultimately, anyway. And the neshama sichlius, the neshama exerts a force, which is called intellect, or you know the faculty of the intellect is what. So you have to understand what does sichlius mean. Who knows? Anybody know? That's that's the lashon ramchal. And it's interesting. He never explains what sichlius is. You know, we can immediately know what the goof is, what chumius is, 
what sikhlis really? And then, and, 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 but remember, the chumias and the sikhlis, right, are in, are in uh, conflict with each other. So whatever you're going to say needs to be uh, understood in that context, you know. So what, what? Spiritual forces. Yeah, he, he, the Ramchal says that the sikhlis of the Nishoma is ruchnis. The question is, what is it? Sikhlis is intellect, hmm? Yeah, but what, what does intellect mean? Find other animals that have intellect is a intellect is a faculty of it, the brain. It would be the opposite of chumrius. So the chumrius is to sustain a physical need. This is to elevate someone on on a, on a, on a higher level to go up and to become better. No, 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 no. You see, look. No. Do not define something by its consequences. You just tell me the consequences to go on a higher level. I wonder what it is. Okay, Tell me what is sikhlis? We know the translation. Sikhlis means intellectual or uh, the intellectual, intellectual. What does that mean? Don't get caught up in words. It's very easy to hear a word and say, well, I know what that means. But you don't. But we're so used to using the word, we think we know. Many people are satisfied <coughs> with vagueness. This goes on all the time. And then when you stop a guy and say, excuse me, what is this? Define it. Um, you know, it's, it's astounding. What the ability to transcend the chumrias? No, that 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 that's the action of the seichel. But what is the seichel? Again, you tell me a a property or an action that the seichel can do, but I don't know what it is. Like if I said, when an elephant, you know, can crush anything if it steps on it. Does that tell me what the what in the world an elephant is? No. <laughs> See the problem. So, what do you think? I mean, he said it's spirituality, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not easy. We, we've been here this <laughs> long. Everybody just into homeless. There's very hidden irony in this question. People are not using their seichel. This is not there. Nobody knows? Do we, are, are we trying to, should we try to define what Ruchnius is? No, no. What is Sikhlius? said Sikhlius is Ruchnius. So, so well, what, what's Ruchnius? What's Ruchnius? Spirituality. Spirituality. What's spirituality? No, 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 that's a translation. <laughs> we don't want translations. We want definitions. <laughs> well, you know French. What's Sikhlius in French? What's spirituality in French? Same word. Spirituality? Yeah. Is it? It's interesting. Intellect also. But you wouldn't say intellect, you'd just say it French way. How do the French say it? I would say an intellectual, an intellectual. Same thing. Uh, into what? Intellectual. intellectual. Oh, intellectual, because yeah. that's the French <laughs> contribution. <laughs> like that. Uh, okay. Is, uh, yeah. We're stuck. What? We're stuck. You're stuck? Okay. What does the intellect do? Hopefully thinks. Hopefully thinks. Reasons. Processes. What? I think it seeks and processes. There's, a, there's an appetite. What does it seek? It deals with concepts. Conceptual. So what does it intellect concepts. seek? To understand. The truth. Truth. And truth. Mm. What is truth? Creator. No, no, I didn't know who is true. What is truth? What's truth? Can I tell me what truth is? The reality. Who? Reality. Reality. That's what it is. What is real? What is out there, really? 
Not maybe. That's what truth is. Nothing more than our ability, or it's the perception of reality as it appears to us is truth. So the major idea of the intellect is truth. You know what is out there. The physical body is not interested in truth. It's into what's called needs fulfillment. Intellect could be used for falsehood. Oh, forget about its deviation. Right now, all I'm saying is that the, the difference between the intellect and the physical body, the physical body seeks fulfillment, right? That's all it seeks. It doesn't seek truth. The intellect, however, seeks truth, right? Is truth a powerful force? What do you think? Not in this generation. It could be. Truth is a powerful force. It's an elevation. What? Yeah, it is very powerful. Is truth a powerful force? Yes. Yes? Yes. Of course not. No. No. Should be, but it's not. No. No, 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 no. It is. No. Come on. The world will not exist. No, you are looking at it incorrectly. <laughs> I will tell you why. You have to understand why. Nobody's looking for truth. I mean, we are, we are looking here. I didn't, I didn't, ask, I didn't ask is anybody looking for it. I said, is truth in and of itself a powerful force? So how is it force altogether? What? How is it forced altogether? How is it? How is it forced? How is what it does it do? I mean, what's the force? I mean, where is how does it energy? How does it enforce anything? How does it, it impose itself force? on you? Yeah. How? Yeah. Why does the physical need impose itself on you? The brain. The brain acts upon a human being based on certain physical things, actually. You know, the brain exerts physical needs. Uh, hunger. Where does hunger come from? The brain creates a feeling or whatever we have. It's a drive that we experience as hunger. Well, that's I don't know. I mean, you know, that's the brain. Nobody knows. And so, you know, there's force. What does the intellect do? Yeah. The intellect compels you to know the truth, to know what's there. It does. That's why everybody's looking for it. Wait, hold on. <laughs> no, no, you see, no, no, no. You're, you're stuck in your question. You never get out of it. <laughs> However, I will attempt to rescue you. <laughs> So what it is the what it is sickness? What? <coughs> what it is sickness? Ah, right. So sickness is the intellect, right? That seeks truth, the pursuit of truth, the pursuit of truth, besides happiness. Yeah. Well, that's what it does. Uh, yeah, it, it pursues everybody's. You're born. <coughs> Let me tell something. An infant, one day old, is already looking for truth. But it's this pursuit of truth. There's no prayer. There's no prayer. As soon as the intellect, as soon as an infant is born, and the intellect is there, it's seeking the truth, and it's always looking at its environment to know what. It's always testing its environment. What is out there? Except its ability to comprehend truth is extremely limited. This is the problem with the intellect. But the force to pursue the truth is there. You know, you know, you ever, you ever see the curiosity of an infant? They're always testing, you know, whatever they, you know. I would, but it, it has a very poor ability to perceive the truth, but it wants to know truth, but it, it, it's very limited. You know, so in the beginning, it doesn't, it, as far as the infant is concerned, I'm the only one that exists. Then it begins to realize the concept of other, that there are other beings, and so on. Then it begins to realize that, hey, I have needs. And only others can satisfy it, not me. So therefore I have to live 
with the wishes of others, there's a whole series of, of, of acknowledgements <coughs> that an infant goes through. It's automatic. The dates, from the minute it's born, it opens its eyes. What in the world is out there? You know, it has no choice. It's a God-given, uh, 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 what do you call it, instinct. So he's driven by this force moment? Oh, so the Neshama, Kontram Chal, is the, is the entity that is the origin of that force. Man's desire to know truth is a product or a property of the Neshama. Man's desire to fill needs is a property of the goof. See? Everybody got that? Very important distinction. That, you know, the desire to know truth is a built-in into human species. And so on, you know. Good. Okay. That's number one. Number two. <coughs> However, a man has the ability <coughs> to distort the truth. And that's where you come in. Thank you. <laughs> what does that mean? But that's also intellect is doing it, right? It well, works and it distorts also. Well, no, no, wait. Oh, that's where b- the goof comes in to do that. Yeah, yeah. I have to go slow in this because there's a lot of concepts here. Where do you see this? The ability to, to distort reality, okay, we see the yeah, is part, it really is part of the internet. But it's not really. It's part of the emotions in a certain sense. What does that mean? Okay. Odomorition. Check out Odomorition. Right? Chava, she sinned. She comes <coughs> over to him, he sinned. And then the Goshim says to him, what'd you do? You know, it's not, right? So, Odomarishan immediately says, almost, right? He says, well, the woman that you gave me, she is the one who beguiled me. She is the one who tempted me. He was right. And <laughs> she's the one who did it. So, what? You said you, know? you, you believe in the unfollow. I was just following words. No. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, now, what was Odom doing? What was he doing? Looking for excuse. Oh, he was justifying, let's use a better word, right? Distorting the truth. Well, wait, 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 wait. He was justifying his actions. That, no, I didn't do anything wrong. I did it right, right? She came over and she, you know, persuaded me to eat for my own benefit. But it's more than that. So, who cares what she did? So, Audemars says, no, no, you gave it to me. It's your fault. (laughs) See, it doesn't say Oisha Isiani or Oichel. It's Oisha She Nosat that you gave me. You know? That was the justification. He says, What do you want from me? It's like you did. did it. I ask you for this woman? <laughs> <laughs> so, what Adam is saying to the Vanisham is, Listen, you know, you gave me this woman, right? And I figured if you gave me a woman, she must be totally righteous. Why would I even think that she really is in it for herself? Because she knows that she's going to die, because obviously that's what Rosham said that they really going to die. So, automatically, when Chava ate that, she knew she was finished. She knew she was dead, you know. And she knew the something, the snake lied. So, why did she do this to Adam? 
Why did she? In effect, she killed Adam. <coughs> you know, it's a murder. She murdered Adam. Why? Because she realized that what's going to happen? She's going to die, and Adam is going to be left without a wife, and he'll take somebody else. The bunch will create another wife. So the jealousy of the fact that she won't be around, and he's going to marry somebody else, right? Oh no, I'm taking him with me, <laughs> right? So in essence, she murdered Adam. That's really what it is, you know. But that's you only call a spade a spade. She murdered her husband because she knew the truth. If she didn't know the truth, and she did, she said she didn't know, but she knew the truth, and therefore she, in in essence, killed him. That's that's the whole reason why they have Hadlokas Neris and all that. There's a lot of what do you call it? Uh, what's called rectification that she has to perform, and so on and so forth. Anyway. She extinguished the uh, light of the world, so she has to be Madhik and so on and so forth. Anyway, but the idea is that when she finally, you know, uh, so, so what Adamushin is ba- basically providing is a justification. He said, listen, you gave me a woman, why would I suspect a woman harbors, wants to do evil to me? I figured you gave it to me, it must be, it's like you go into a shop, you know, and, and the expert watchmaker says, here's a watch, great watch, you know, and you get a walk out and buy and you expect it to work. You see, that's called the justification. It's also called <coughs> rationalization. It's like a kid, okay? A kid, uh, you know, a kid gets a uh, 40 on an exam. A kid gets a 40 on an exam, right? And the mother, a kid brings home and says, the mother's okay, how'd you do? So the kid's got to cough up the exam and says, here it is. So the mother says, 40? I don't believe this. And the kid says, not for me. It's, it's not my fault. The teacher's an idiot. The teacher gave a test that, that it has nothing to do with what we learned. So the kid clearly is seeking to blame, put the blame on the teacher. Okay? I mean, it's something we live with every day. And it's something that goes on with the president. He does it all day. He's always blaming somebody else. Well, sure. You know, so I don't get to that, but this is a, we see this going on all the time. So in essence, what you're saying is that there's... there's now, the question is, several questions. Why would I gotta do this? I mean, you're looking at the truth. This kid got a 40. Excuse me, he got a 40. You know, why are you blaming the teacher for? It is your fault, right? But clearly the kid must blame somebody else. Because what's the alternative? I'm dumb, because I got a 40. Now, for somebody to say I'm dumb is very threatening. Because if I'm dumb, who knows what the consequences are. Either my mother will deny me goodies, my father's going to beat me, or whatever, or he's going to embarrass me, right? Or, uh, and so on, or I can't admit I'm dumb because then I can't cope with life. You see, it's threats to the ego. So therefore, what must the person do? A person needs, he knows the truth, but he needs to deny the truth. Why? For the purpose of self-preservation. So, it's not that he doesn't want to know the truth, he does. But an Odom has the ability to distort the MS for needs called self-preservation. It's a very important idea. Okay, now, that's a very important concept. That's the problem. It's not that we don't have a desire to know truth. Of course we do. But the self-preservation need takes over. It takes over. 
It takes over. Exactly. But the incredible thing is, what do you mean? Even if I have a self-preservation need, yes? You know, and so on. Why should that take over the Seichel? Why should that take over the Seichel? The Seichel is unbelievably powerful. Because the Seichel says, because the Seichel says, excuse me, you know what the truth is. You're dumb. <clears throat> or you didn't work hard enough, whatever it is. Right? And, and the guy is looking at the MS. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, or I should say, out of the emotions, comes the fear that if I admit this, I'm finished in whatever way the consequences are. So therefore, he needs to distort the truth. Okay? So you have two demon here. Right? You have the ability to seek truth and to know the truth, or the force that demands that you seek the truth, and once you demand the truth, you can seek it, right? And also to know it, assuming you have the proper faculties. But on the other side, right out of nowhere, so to speak, comes a need to preserve self. And that need expresses itself how? What do you mean self-preservation? What does that mean? It's a concept. What's the, what is the emotional equivalent of the need to self-preserve? Fear. Fear. Anxiety. Exactly. As soon as we are aware that we're about to go under, so to speak, we are immediately frightened. And that fear is what compels him, in a certain sense, to distort the MS. So we already have two things going on. We have Jeff three. We have the physical needs, we have the need for truth, and we have the ability to, we have the ability, we have the ability, right, in a certain sense, to distort the MS, the truth. But that is a murder The ability of an individual to distort truth is an unbelievable strength. That's a physical need. Yeah, that's physical. Yeah. There's only two things. Well, it, the, the, the reality of the need to self-preserve is called anxiety. That's the it's anxiety is an emotion. <coughs> so you have the physical and the emotional, which is physical, and you have the desire to seek truth, which is sikhli, uh, in some. Okay. In psychology, that is called a defense mechanism. A defense mechanism is something that will defend me against fear or anxiety. And rationalization is a classic defense mechanism. It allows me to not to look at the fact that I'm afraid because I'm able to say somebody else did it. You see, that's a defense mechanism. That's an incredible koyach, which means that the mind can distort reality. You know. Now, there are many other... There's over 50 defense mechanisms, by the way. Not one, but there are many. I don't the whole thing, but... Rationalization is one of them, you know? Uh, but there are many defensive mechanisms, okay? Now, what's interesting about this, okay, is everybody has this. We're inborn, and Alda Mauritian was the first one to display it. I can't admit that I made a mistake. I, I do that, you know? Mauritian says, excuse me, you know, wh why'd you do this? So Alda Mauritian said, the woman that you gave me Right? That's a defense mechanism. Why? <coughs> because if Adam Rishon realized the truth, that, what do you mean? Rishon <coughs> said not to eat it. Let's, 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 let's be frank here. You know? Who cares if the woman came over to you and said, eat it? Wait, wait, but he knew that God said no. 
So how do you say, well, you gave me the woman and I thought she was perfect? It's nonsense. You know what I'm saying? It, it means it was an immediate confrontation between two facts. One, God says, don't eat this. I don't, which means I don't care who tells you to eat it. Don't, right? And there's a woman, even if she was great, but he should immediately said, Excuse, you know, what do you mean? You're, you, you must be fabulous, great, and so on and so forth. But, you know, it's not like she gave me something that, has, that was not contravened by God. It was. So he should have said, what are you he should have said to his wife, what are you talking about? The Russian said, no. So what do you mean? It's, uh, we don't even know the argument she used, which is interesting. The Torah never says the argument she used to, to convince her husband. It just says, you know, she spoke to him and, you know, and he, he ate of it. We do not know the argument she used. And Adam had an intellect off the charts. And we're not talking, we're talking a guy at like a 4 billion IQ, you know. But it's not an excuse. But Adam couldn't say, you're right. I didn't do it, you know. He had to say, no, I was right, you were wrong. In other words, I'm not at fault, you're at fault. You see, what do you mean? But it contravenes the truth. Because the truth is, I said don't eat it. I don't care what you thought. You know what I'm saying? So what Adamishan did was the first defense used in the history of mankind. Very powerful, isn't it? Because he had a need of self-preservation. He was afraid that if he was wrong, the Bunchman said, well, you're out of here. What, you know, and you talk to a being that could do it. You know what I'm saying? It's okay, you're out. And in an instant of time, he's gone. So the immediate fear of self-preservation, which he had, you know, uh, all of a sudden confronted him with the need to deny <coughs> the reality that he is to blame for eating from that tree. Have I got that? And by the way, we all have this ability to distort the truth. Where's the classic? Where the Bonsham says, there's a medrash, when the Rosh was writing, you know, dictating the Torah, so it says, "Bereshis borrowed a kim." You know, so Moshe Rabbeinu said, "When he borrowed a kim, a kim is plural. It's a medrash. This is the, the origin of the whole thing." You know, the Rosh Hashem said. Uh, so Moshe Rabbeinu said, "What do you mean? El kim is plural." You know what I'm saying? And you're gonna you're gonna force people to believe they're more than one God, which is, by the way, one of the kindness that they have. You know, and so on. So Abraham said, no, don't worry about it. Because it says, Bora, a singular verb. You know, so people will say, Elohim probably means the majesty, the plurality of Malchus. Because when a king speaks to you, he always says, we. doesn't say I. We is royalty because a king represents everybody. So when a king speaks, really it's supposed to be a representation of everybody's voice. Alibi. But anyway, <laughs> you know, famous uh, myths. Anyway, um, so the Bansham said, no, tshuva sebitzida. That's the Lashon of the Medrash. No, the tshuva's here. The tshuva's Elohim, you know? And then the other Pasuk, which is the Pasuk, said, you know, nase odom b'salmenu. Nase, let us, wow. I mean, nase, let us. But again, it's royalty speaking. You know, let us, because uh, I, you know, and so make man in our, our image. Like, you know, it's like, you know, so Moshe Rabbeinu said, what do you mean? You, 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 you're putting a stumbling block in front of Koifun. You know, you, you, you know, what are you doing? You know, and so on. The Moshe said, listen, I need to write the Elohim because I want to write Nasser, which means let us, that, you know, I, that I consulted with the uh, angels. I mean, there's a reason why it says that, you know. 
Ah, you're taina that everybody's going to distort the emes. You know? No. You know? And then it says, you know, the plural. You know? So the Rosh Hashim says, the tshuva to the question, are there multiple gods or one, is right in, in that posse, because there's a singular mm-hmm. verb there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, because it said, B'tzalmoy. Not B'tzalmom, in their image. It says, B'tzalmoy, clearly indicating there's only one God. Right? So, wait a minute. So, what does that mean? You see, what's the dialogue here? Because Moshe Rabbeinu said, what he's really pointing to is what we're learning. Who says, wait a minute, you are putting a text that clearly indicates there are many gods. So the Bonshim says, you'd be right, but I am immediately answering, you know, and showing people that this is not true. Because it says, B'tzalmoy, or Boruchim, and so on. What's the Bonshim saying? He's like this. Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, listen, you're writing a text where people are going to believe that there are many gods. And people want to believe there are many gods. There's a whole logic behind that and so on. <coughs> it's much better if there are many gods than one. Why? Because if there are many gods, then each one has a different view. And I'll do what I want. I'll do one god because he's, he's, he's in accord, he's in alliance with me. And then, you know, and then something else I do with the other god, he's in alliance with me. You know, that's one of the reasons for polytheism. Many gods. Because that's a great out. You can do whatever you want. There's always some god who agrees with you. Well, if there's one God, you know, that's it. You know, you're stuck with that one God, and that's it. You've got to listen to him. There's no alternative. Uh, so Moshe Rabbeinu said, you're putting this down, right? Which means that if a person has a need to want to believe in many gods, so as to satisfy many tithes, he's got his out. You know? That he won't look at the truth. You know? He won't look, he's not interested in the truth. So Moshe said, don't worry. Because... My job is to put down clearly an indication of what's true. And that's it. If he wants to be influenced to use a defense that's, you know, where he believes in many gods because he wants to believe, that's his problem. But if I have to put it down for reasons because I want to put it down, royalty and so on, right, or I, or I, or I uh, consulted with, my, with the angels and so on, I put that down. What the Bosham is saying fundamentally is that, listen, each person has those three components. It's the physical, the emotional, and the sickly, the truth, the desire to know truth, you know. If a person wants to allow his emotions, fear, overcome a seichel, that's up to him. That's his bechira. That's his free will, you see. So what the Bosham is saying, Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, that people use this as an excuse not to believe in God, but to believe in many gods. And the Bansham is saying, well, that's exactly the free will a person has. I'm not going to not put it down because I'm afraid the guy's going to use. He, that's why I gave him Bechira, to choose. Which means to look at the truth. Not at what you need to know, what you need to do, but to look at the Emmas. <coughs> you see, I want to tell you something. <clears throat> the ability of the mind to fool itself <coughs> to deceive itself uh, is part of the 
the, uh, it's an incredible ability. It's very important, by the way, because you can ask, well, why should the person do that? <laughs> if I have truth on one side, and I have a physical need on the other, right? <coughs> well, why create this ability to fool myself? You know? So Vashem said, you need to do that. Why is that? Because there are many situations in life <coughs> where you cannot admit the truth. And they're not concerning Chet and so on. For instance, let's say a person lives in a household and his parents are very abusive. Okay? That happens. <coughs> that kid cannot live with fear all day long. That's what's going to happen. So in a certain sense, the kid has to deny the reality that his parents are not abusive. You see? So there are many different ways that a kid can deny the fact that his parents are really not abusive, so they can continue to live in that home. And so on. <coughs> so this ability to distort reality is very important for us <laughs> because it allows us to live with ourselves even though there are threats to ourselves. And children, it's even more important because they can't do anything about it. An adult, at least, can do something about it. You know, like shoot his parents. Because the person is not holding by a majority, you can believe that he is something and then get to that point. Well, well, yeah, but I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm going to say one problem why we need it. We need the ability to distort reality because there are many things we can't do. So what we can do is we can alter our own understanding of the reality by denying it. And by the way, denial is a defense mechanism. Or minimization. Ah, it's not so bad. What do you mean it's not so bad? You know? Minimization denies part of the reality and therefore allows us to live with ourselves. That's why distortion of reality is a, as a defense mechanism, in whatever way you do it, is very important to survive. But at the same time, at the same time, besides the fact that it allows us to survive self-preservation, it also allows us to do what? To cater to our needs. It's that guy, you know, a guy wants to, he's got one of them, wants to, you know, uh, let's give an example. You know. <clears throat> to avoid uh, cognitive dissonance. You want to hear what makes sense to you. No, 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 I mean, forget, forget cognitive you know. Let's say a person, he wants to enjoy a certain type of, whatever that is, right? And also the truth is that, wait a minute, it's wrong, you know? So a guy says, now, the taiva is not self-preservation. It's taiva. You know what I'm saying? You know, I can understand the need of a distortion for self-preservation. You need, well, so you can't live with yourself. You're always afraid you're going to die, you know, and you can't do anything about it. What do you do? Uh, so something has to work where you can live with yourself. So you need to deny, in some aspect, the reality. But unfortunately, we use the same mechanism for what? To get all the stuff that we don't, it's not self-preservation, it's all needs, desires. It's not needs anymore, it's desires. All you the know? desires are, are rooted in self-preservation. No, not if really. I, no. If I want to eat an ice cream, which I'm not supposed to, yeah. it's, it's rooted in the fact that I need to eat for, to, to, for self-preservation. No, so ice cream? No, no, it's rooted. Does it say that you need to live ice cream to eat live? No. <laughs> it comes from the Tavis Apachilo, which is a need for separation. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about the essential idea. For instance, the guy says, well, I want to, you know, I want to eat ice cream. Yeah, eat ice cream, you know. So, uh, so somebody pointed out, excuse me, you don't eat ice cream because uh, uh, it has a lot of calories. Right. So the guy says, yeah, but it has also a lot of calcium. <laughs> so why not so what did he just do now 
you know, he just denied, you know, he minimized the calorie aspect and he just promoted the calcium aspect because no, who cares? You know, so that's a classic denial, or actually it's called minimization of reality. Why? Now, what happens if he would have denied himself the ice cream? He wouldn't have died. And we're not talking about life and death here, right? We're talking about Taiva. Because he wants the ice cream, you know, and so on, Ben and Jerry's. I mean, whatever's kosher, I don't know what it is, you know, whatever you're into these days, you know, and so on, you know. Uh, so, that, that, so this is what happened. The ability of a man to distort reality now goes from the stage of self-preservation to the stage of not need, but wants, mm. desires. You know, and so we use the exact same mechanism. Where is what, where is what coming from? What? Want is coming from where exactly? Well, it's a taiva, no. pleasure. Yeah, it's a physical, I, I know it's a physical drive. Where, where it's coming from? I mean, it's goof. It's not preservation, it's not a force. We were talking about self preservation. Taiva is a force. But it's not a force. It's, a goof has different. Well, self preservation is one force. Taiva is another independent force. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, we, look, let's face it. The greatest drive of all is pleasure. And the greatest, uh, the opposite of the greatest drive, or the negatively, is fear. That's what it is. You know, we all have tibus, you know, because we want to experience pleasure. When we, when you, if you eat something that tastes great, you experience pleasure. And that's a, so that becomes a desire, it becomes a goal, you know, like the pursuit of, you know, we want to be, we want to have pleasure, we want to have happiness. These things make us feel good and therefore we want them, you know what I'm saying? Now, where do you see this in the Torah? Now, what does the Torah say? Don't take shoychad. What is shoychad? Shoychad could be anything that addresses your self-interest. Oh, I, I want that. Guy walks over to a judge, you know, and he says, listen, you know, I, I know you're honest and all that kind of stuff, but I also know you need cash. You don't make money. You don't make much money as a judge. It's a big ego trip, but it doesn't make you wealthy. I'll make you wealthy. I'll write out a check to your favorite charity, which in this case, the judge's favorite charity happens to be Mir. Me. <laughs> or his favorite charity is called Chofetz Chaim. I want to live. I mean, these are the favorite charity that people write, you know? Uh, to your favorite charity, of course, uh, I give you uh, 50 grand. Well, what happens? Well, here, the judge's face like this. The truth is, this guy lost. He, he, the other guy's right. But the other side is, I need cash. You know? And so on. Uh, so all of a sudden you have a conflict here. But we're not talking about a need. We're talking about a desire. In some way, it's a need because if I have 50 grand, I can do a lot better with my life, obviously, and so on, you know. I can make my wife happy, which will make, makes me happy, and so on and so forth, right? So, there you are, the conflict. But the person knows the MS. He knows that this guy is wrong. So, what does he do? He needs to do what? He needs to deny the reality that this guy is wrong. No, really, he's right. He's really right, because he can't say, well, really, you know, that guy, Mr. Schwartz, is wrong, but I'm going to take the money anyway, because then he's calling himself a cheat, a liar, you know, a crook, etc., etc., you know? But he can't call himself a crook. It's very hard to live with yourself and know you're a crook. He needs to deny that. So what does he do? And that's what the Torah says. Don't take anything that will promote your self-interest. Why? Ya'aver. He will blind himself. That means this guy doesn't even know he's a crook. See, Torah says, not only is it, we think, what's the, what's the concept of a chokhem? 
a guy who accurately perceives reality. But if he takes a shoychat, even a chocham who has the ability to see reality becomes blind. How? By the defense, by the denial. No, really the other guy is right. And now prove it. And the guy looking for all kinds of spores. You know, as far as, oh, I found a, you know, about in the Rajbo. <laughs> you know. And he reads the Rajbo, and he interprets the Rajbo that the guy's right. Meanwhile, the Rajbo doesn't even talk about this. I mean, whatever it is. But he is so into, I need the money, yeah. that I don't care what the Rajbo say. He's going to say it, and that's all. <laughs> and not only is the Chochem blinded, Right? Who also can look at reality? Sadik. What, what does Sadik do all day? A tzaddik looks at reality, because that's what... To be righteous means to know what behavior is righteous. So the, the Bershom says an unbelievable thing. You think if you're presented with self-interest, right? You think, don't worry. You know? And you're a tzaddik. The Bershom says, no. There is a mechanism within you that will allow you to distort reality. And since you have a desire, you will use that mechanism so you can grab the cash. Ah, you're a chochem and you're a tzaddik. Who cares? You see, who's the greatest chochem of all? No. Who beat him? No. Who beat them all? Other mission. They're the greatest intellect ever known. You'd see a cup of Shalak Kodesh come on. And that's the greatest intellect of all. He was, we don't even know what he was. He wasn't human, really, right? And Madach, he used the, the, the defense mechanism to distort what are we going to say, you know, and so on. This is the problem. Uh, so therefore, there are... Why do you have to use that? If he would have said, Hashem, I'm sorry... He didn't know Tshuva, see, this is our problem. The fear of death overcame. He didn't know about tshuva because he only knew about it by kind. Because kind did tshuva, so he saw he was half forgiven half. So then, he, remember what he said? The message says, "Oh, if I would have known that, that you can actually do tshuva, you can." In other words, you could say, "I'm sorry," and there are consequences to say, "I'm sorry." That Rosh was okay. I will forgive whatever half, whatever, and so on. If I'd have known that, I would have done that. But it was too late, and so on, and so forth. You know. Anyway, so we have three things going on. We have the physical urges, self-preservation, and also those urges which are tremendously, in, not, they're not needs in so to speak, but they are clearly desires, which you don't need to do to survive, but we have them anyway. That's the body will give us. On the other side, we have the desire for truth, which is the intellect. And in the middle is the ability to deny it is a mechanism it is the ability of the mind to distort the truth in order to either survive or to get the goodies. One or the other, you see. And that's really, what is a psychotic? You know, there's an interesting chazal. What's a chazal say? Ein odom A man cannot sin unless there enters in him a spirit of shtos, folly or stupidity. What does that chazal mean? Right? No. What do you mean shtus? You mean I can't sin unless I'm a shaita? Very hard to believe. Shtus, ruach shtus. Because the truth stares you in the face. Exactly. What the motion was saying is, he, is that the power of the intellect to seek truth is so powerful that it can beat 
any taiva, anything. So therefore, the Bonshim says, I gotta even out the odds. And the odds are, where I, in other words, if I had no mechanism to deny the truth, I could not sin. I could not sin. Because the perception of reality is so great that it will beat out any taiva, even self-preservation, maybe. But certainly all the taivas. So what the Bonshim says, in order to even out, right, to balance out, uh, he gives the ability to do this distort reality. What is a shoyter? A psychotic person. What does a psychotic person do? He denies reality. The classic symptom of a psychotic is a person who denies reality. Why? Why is this guy denying reality? You know? Why is that? He's sick. No, we know he's sick. Right. Uh, Why is he doing it? That's number one. And number two, how does he do it? You know? Like a guy walked into an insane asylum, you know? And uh, one guy was saying, you know, uh, I'm the Messiah. (coughs) This guy was visiting a mental institution. He was interviewing some of the inmates. Let's call the patients now. And one of these, so he was asking them, why are you here, you know? Because I'm the Messiah. And they're trying to persecute me because they don't want me to come to redeem the universe. You know? So he's walking through the boy, so he, okay, never, you know. Um, so he's walking to the next, uh, you know, room, and he sees the guy's laughing. He says, what are you laughing at? He says, because that guy crazy. <laughs> he thinks he's the Messiah. You know, so he asks him, well, how do you know he's not? He says, I'm God. <laughs> I didn't make him the Messiah. <laughs> okay, wait, no. But that's funny, you know, but, but what, what am I trying to say? They, they're both denying reality. Nisht Ed is the Koyal, and Nisht Ed is the Rabbanishlam. So, like, what are they doing? And the answer is, they have used this defense mechanism to the nth degree, where they are in complete denial of reality. But it's the same mechanism. You should know, the difference between a healthy person and a psychotic is, is a difference in what? In quantity, not quality. <laughs> It's not quality, it's quantity. You know, it's like they say every person has his breaking point. Every person, you know. And never, these guys had low breaking point, either that or the pressures, of the, the threat to their being was so pro- profound that never, they used that faculty of distortion. You know, it's in order for them, you know, imagine a guy who lives in a home, you know, where the parents are constantly saying to him, you're stupid. You're an idiot. I wish I never would gave birth to you. I mean, these kind of terrible statements, you know. So he's a kid growing up. I mean, like, he's shattered, you see. So automatically, what does he do? What he does is he takes the ability to distort reality and says, wait a minute. I don't have to be worried because if my parents are saying I'm zero, I didn't have a right to be born, then this kid has experienced all kinds of terrible emotions. Guilt because he's caused in his parents' sorrows. Anxiety, fear, they're gonna kill him or throw him out of the house, and they'll drop dead. All kinds of, you know, shame, because they make him feel like a zero. All kinds of terrible emotions that a child cannot bear. What does he do? So he says, so he has the ability to completely distort automatically, right? And he says, oh, 
I'm the Messiah. But it's the exact same mechanism that everybody else uses to be chuten. That's why Chazal used the same word, wait, shtus. Now you understand. Because a shoyte uses what? The ability to deny, minimize, or in other words, not look a reality, but it's extreme. Where the mind just went haywire and says, I can't, I can't even look at reality. I have to create my own, so I'll feel good about myself. You see? So either I'm God, I'm the Messiah, or I'm special, etc., etc. Okay? So what the psychotic is, nothing more than an individual that used the capacity of the mind to deny reality to its nth degree, and then he becomes non-functional. Terrible. He becomes stuck with it? Yeah, well, no. Then, I'm saying these psychotic individuals, they, that's it? Oh, no, well, no, no, they, they can be helped. They are drugs. Yeah, that can alter the mind's belief that he is God. Yeah, that's why they take all kinds of drugs. No, no, you know, fortunately, there are drugs that can help this person, you know. And so on. I don't want to get it's not, it's not a lesson in psychology, but what I'm trying to point out is that everybody has that capacity, except they had such extreme circumstances that they used it to the nth degree, to an extreme degree, and therefore they left reality altogether. So therefore they're non-functional, and so on. However, wait, everybody has the exact same mechanism, the ability to deny or minimize or whatever, confront reality and be able to survive if it's threatening, right? And that's why the Chazal say shtus. Now you understand the term. Ein Adam Choyte, a person does not stand, sin, unless he what? Denies some aspect of reality. In other words, Ruach Shtus, you know, the, the Shoyte, the psychotic, uses the complete Ruach Shtus. It uses, you know, but everybody has to be able to deny, because a person cannot say, I'm awful, I'm evil. People cannot say that and survive, because nobody wants to see himself as a thoroughly evil person. They'll all, in some way, rationalize. You know, even Hitler and rationalized. He thought he was doing the world a favor. It's incredible. <clears throat> a guy should commit such evil and say, I'm not evil. I'm doing the world a favor. Why? Because the Jews have made us wimps, and we're somebody. They've given us a moral conscience. We don't want this. We don't want that terror. They made us feel moral. They made us feel guilty. They took away our incredible sense of we are. Deutschland über alles. You ever, you ever hear the national anthem? Deutschland, Deutschland über alles. I think that's where it goes. What is über alles? Germany over all. That's psychotic. Over all. What, what, what do you have to be over all for? You know, you can't live with everybody else. It's a, it's a delusional, uh, and it's not their natural anthem. Excuse me. To know? What? To know? I think they still have it. I'm not, you know, as far as I know. So, uh, you know, uh, it's the whole concept of the Aryan race, blonde hair and blue eyes, it's sick eyes. You know why? So Hitler actually thought, he rationalized. He said, I'm not an evil guy. I'm okay. In fact, God's going to reward me. Because I killed the Jews. Why? Because they have destroyed the ability of a man to feel like he's somebody or supreme. Incredible. That's how far And now you understand why Chazal used the exact same notion, Shoyte, as Shtus, because that's exactly what he employs, you see. And the first one to use it was Adam Rishon, you see. And that comes from the Guf. The goof has the needs, whether it be self-preservation, 
the need for self-preserve, and that the way a person does that is when he experiences fear and anxiety. It also has typhus. A person wants pleasure. He seeks pleasure. Most of the world, everybody's, you know, just that's how you explain the travel industry and the entertainment industry and the, all the restaurants. It's all about typhus in the end, really. Does a guy have to eat steak or he dies? No. You know, you know, a guy can eat a, you know, chunk, they don't survive. <laughs> That's debatable. <laughs> That's arguable. But anyway, um, and so on. So you're looking at needs, real needs, and you're looking at types. And the Rabbanishim, actually, the Rabbanishim is Maramas, this, which is incredible. When he says, Le'isikach Shechad, why? Because Shechad is a taiva, you want money, and it's going to blind whether you are righteous or chacham, it doesn't make a difference. And these guys are reputed to be the best guys that can see reality. But the question is, what do you mean blind them? How? Defense mechanisms. That's how. Very important idea. And that's from the goof. You see, why? So I mentioned why there's a defense, because we can't live with ourselves unless we can minimize reality. It's very hard, especially a child. Even an adult. An adult can't live with himself. He can't deny, minimize, or whatever. You see. So therefore, this is critical, this idea, but that tells you something else, that the pursuit of truth, or the recognition of truth, which is sikhli, is so powerful that it can vanquish the tivus of the gulf. That's what you realize. That's what the Manshim said, chuvasa b'tzigel, you know? In other words, he has bachira. So if the Manshim hadn't given us the ability to deny there would be no such thing as the Yetzirah. Interesting. Malochem. Can Malochem be choyte? No. Why not? I have a Yetzirah. What does that mean, I have no Yetzirah? He's going to have a guf. So there's no physical forces. And not only that, they don't have the ability to deny. They're stuck with the truth. And once they see the truth, they're tzaddikim. I mean, they're kadoshim, or whatever you call them, you know. A malach doesn't have those very things that distort and compel us to sin. They don't have it. So what are they going to do? So they only have the truth. The only reason why we could sin is because Ruach Shtus. That's, what the, that's the tremendous premise of the Chazal. Without Ruach Shtus, without the ability to deny, we cannot sin. So I see. Anyway. So what's it? So this, we now begin to understand what the Rambam is saying, that you have the physical on one side, and you have the intellect, which is a, a secret of truth on the other. What we still have to understand is what is the Yetzirah? This is the Yetzirah. The physical drive is the compelling weight, the compelling force to satisfy needs, whether the need is to self-preserve or taiva, the need to feel pleasure, etc. This is the Yetzirah. Where do you see the right to that? Why, why is it Yitzhahara? Not why, how do I know? My, my, you said there's a conflict between the goof and, and, and the intellect? Yeah. Why, why is there a conflict? I think the truth is I have to self-preserve, like what? It's all, no, it's all no, together. no, but I have to self-preserve, but what does the body say? I have self-preserve, I have self-preserve. But we don't respond to self-preservation, really. We don't say we have the to preserve. What do we respond to? If there's a, a tiger looking at you <laughs> and your dinner, what do you respond to? I have to self-preserve. <laughs> no. You don't tie a door. Right? What do you, what do you respond to? Fear. 
Fear. On Unbe- it's yeah. an emotion. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We don't think about why we need to, to survive. We don't think about well, what's my kid going to do so without me. That's true. Well, we don't think about it. We, we have incredible fear, and we must flee. You see, that's the eight Sahara. The eight Sahara is nothing more. Kuntaramchal is nothing more than the Tivus self-preservation, all the psychological and biological needs of an individual. Is the eight Sahara? Where do you see that from Chazal? There's a Gemara. What does the Gemara say? Mm-hmm. What does the Gemara say in Yomah? That the, the Chazal said that the Yetzirah for Avodah Zorah is too great. It destroys us. It killed our base and made this. We got to get rid of it. Which is incredible. Chazal are going to tamper with the human being. They're going to tamper with the genetics. It's really what it is. Because this is all genetics in the end. Right? So Chazal killed the Yetzirah for Avodah Zorah. But what they really did, right, is they killed more of it. They killed the Eid Sahara for Avodah Zarah. And by the way, that leads us to a whole different area of what is what in the world causes people to bow down to an idol? Like, are they crazy? We look at them there, they're out of their mind. That even there's a Gemara about them with Menashe and Ravashi. But put that aside for a minute, you know? But, so what did they do? They killed the Eid Sahara. So because they killed the Eid Sahara, guess what? Nobody wants to reproduce. No taiva. So what do you see? That the tivus of the goof is the eight Sahara. Because that's what stopped when they killed the eight Sahara. Of when they killed the so what they do? So they reinstated him, whatever, which means they reinstated the tivus of the body, but they blinded it. Which means that a person is no longer interested in incest, which is to have relations with the immediate family. That's what they killed. A person not interested with his mother or his sister or whatever. Well that's really not so with mother, yes, but sisters a lot of incest in that. But anyway, I'll get into that. But anyway, uh, uh, so you see clearly from that tomorrow that what the Yetzirah is. The Yetzirah is fundamentally the Tivus of the Goof. It's, it's, it's body promoted, generated. Why is that against truth? I mean, no, no, I, it has nothing with truth. It's an urge. No, but you said it's, it's a, a confrontation between, What? There's a confrontation between body needs. Which is and the and urge. And the the urge. Right. Right? It's an truth. urge. Right. And truth. There's, there's no confrontation. There's sure. What happens if the urge is to sin and the truth is don't or else the bunch will punish you? There you are. It's a confrontation. Look, there's no, there's no, uh, eating is none, you know, but what, what is the Torah fundamentally? How you eat? No, 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 what, no, yeah, that's true, but what is the Torah really fundamentally? It's a instruction book or rather it's a legal book that says I require 613 different activities or actions. It's really what it is. And most of them, in fact, all of them are restrictions. <coughs> the Torah is a document, Sefer, that, that compiles a list of 613 restrictions. And those restrictions, right, are against the way I want to live. Right? So there you are, that's the conflict. If a person does connect those 613, <coughs> then he has to face what? Fear of retribution, guilt, shame, etc. Right? There's your conflict right there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, you're sort of What? You're sort of Now, so that's the Eitz horror. The real question now is what in the world is the Eitz Ahorah? We know, we know what the, we know what the Seichel does. Yes? The Seichel is the desire, is the ability to comprehend truth. But what does the Gemara say about the Eitz Ahorah? 
It doesn't enter until you're 13 years old. The bas mitzvah. Yes? Mm -hmm. But like Cassie, before we move too far ahead, there's something that's really uh, a strong reaction. Yeah. As far as seeking the truth, when you read the other side of the coin, when you remove defense mechanisms and you remove Titus and you remove rationalization, if someone's ready, willing, and able, many people are to seek the truth without any obstruction. Still, everybody ends up at different destinations and different degrees of that because the truth doesn't say, yes, you have reached the authentic truth. Is it really knowable? Is our search, are we able to really know the truth? Yeah, of course we are. confirmation. We have to be able to or else this world is a big mistake. So why does everyone feel... You have to be able to achieve the evidence. We should do this, no, you don't have to do that. I want that. to tell you something interesting. I'll ask you a question. Which is the greatest obstacle to truth? The difficulty in using the intellect to find the truth? Or the fact that we have to always contend with the fact that if we do know the truth, we can't live our tithes? Which is the biggest obstacle to truth? Think about that. It depends whom you ask. Probably. Shall I what? Repeat it? Yeah, you don't mind. Okay. Which is the biggest obstacle to truth? Think about this. Is it the inability to ascertain the truth? Which means Certain, that... With certainty. Well, even without certainty, but just the pursuit of truth is that, and therefore you gotta think hard. You know, you gotta analyze and think hard. You know, you know, using the intellect to search for the truth. You know, and so is that difficulty? Is that is there an obstacle of that, or is the real obstacle or the obstacle the fact that hey, I don't want the truth. Not want to not want to conflict with what I want. You know, I got tiredness. You know, I have I have a lot of urges, needs, and psychological needs, and all that. I gotta feel like somebody. You know what I'm saying? I have to have Taiva, you know, what's the point, you know? And therefore, wait, and therefore, that mess, or that conglomerate, Taivas and needs, all the psychological, the biological needs of the physical, the human body, will now, right, interfere with the truth by employing a defense mechanism, because that's how it's going to deal with it. And therefore, that's the obstacle to know the truth. It depends on the type of person. Wait, wait, wait. You hear the question? Yeah, yeah. Which is the obstacle? I would say the pursuit, me. right? Or the, or the, uh, the uh, peripheral baggage? baggage. I, I would yeah. say the pursuit. I would call baggage. I would, never I would say the pursuit for me because, only because you can change growing it down oh. in different ways. But with the pursuit... It seems like we're either going by our hunches or what our fellow human beings are teaching us. Yeah. And where's the objective? The truth you are is correct, one hundred percent. The truth is, they're both Fire. obstacles. The the, they're, they're both Fire. obstacles. Why was there revelation? Why was there Harsinai? Why? Even then, there's a fraction of that wasn't our direct. Because the problem theory. is, most people cannot seek the truth. A. Eh? Or they, they can't because they, 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 their mental faculties are not adequate to even know how to seek the truth. But what's even more important is most people, they don't want to know the truth. They only want to know the truth that they can, that will accommodate their tithes. That's the only truth I want to know. You know, you ever hear the expression, you, a guy wants to do something, and, he, and you say, no, you can't do this, and he presents a whole bunch of facts. And the guy says, excuse me, don't confuse me with the facts. <laughs> Don't confuse me with the facts. Come on. You're like, what? Because what is he really saying to you? He says, of course I want to know the truth. But not when they interfere with my ability to do everything I want. You see. He says that. Rabbi Khanum Vassman said that. He said, uh, he said, which is, you know, very valid, you know. He says, uh, he's, he means uh, Aristotle. 
you know, in the Kovitz Mamon or whatever it is, is, is Aristotle. And he was second to, I mean, he was an incredible thinker. The Ramam holds that Aristotle would have been a Novi. Could have been a Novi. That's how great his intellect was, except for whatever reason. You know, uh, he wasn't Novi because even a girl can be a Novi, which is, you see by Bill and so on. But he wasn't, whatever, because he didn't have all the attributes and so on and so forth. So he, Rukhan Vasman says, well, how? You know, how is it possible that Aristotle, who was the greatest thinker, I mean, he was a massive intellect, massive, you know, how come he didn't see the Emmas? You know? So he, what he asks is, so if he didn't see the Emmas, what do you want from us? It's a good kasha. Madoch, he what? He didn't see the Emmas, Aristotle, and all the other guys, and so on. So what do you want from us? We Zichar don't see the Emmas. We don't have their intellects. So you know what he answers? Rabbi Khanan? He says, no. The obstacle to Aristotle wasn't his ability to see the truth. His obstacles was, don't confuse him with the facts. He wanted to live his life, his Taivadigal life, whatever that was, you know, and so on and so forth. So therefore, what he wanted to see, whatever had nothing to do with his life, he was incredible. Whatever had anything to do with his life, he said, no, I don't want to look at it. And he, he just employed any of the defense mechanisms to do that, because that's what we have. We are able to do that. That's what Rabbi Khan says. So what Rabbi Khan is revealing in many ways a murdi zakh. He's saying the real obstacle in the end isn't the intellect. It's the goof. The goof doesn't allow us to see the MS because don't confuse me with the facts. Don't tell me what the reality is. I want to live my life. You see, that's the problem. So the more chacham you are, the more the mechanism you know. The more chacham you are what? The more chacham you are, the higher your yetzahara. Because you have well, that, that, that's, that's, that's a different... Yeah, that's a different thing. So they balance out. Right. Yeah, that's what Tosius so says, you know. Well, you know, it says, like, we should be mispalled, that we should be matzlich and ruchnius. So there's a Tosius that says, you know, Adshin mispalel, before you pray that there should be more ruchnius and so on, pray that foods shouldn't enter your body. You know, should the I think, uh, you know, machom uh, asum, you know, so or just a machom, regular, madam, whatever. What, what's Tosfos saying? Because what Tosfos is revealing an unbelievable MS. He's saying the problem with truth isn't the intellect; it's Tivus. So first, before you pray, please, you know, give me the ruchnis, the insight, the MS. What do you mean MS? It's going to be distorted anyway by the goof, the achila, whatever we want. So pray first that you should control your tivus, and then when you see the truth, you'll say, okay. It's the tivus, the, all the needs that kill us, really, in the end. Because like I say, don't confuse me with the facts. Means I, the only truth I want to know is whatever will allow me to live a hefkadigal life. That's it, that's all I want to know. I don't want anything else, even if it's true. So that, that, that's, that's what Tais was saying. So therefore, if you're gonna pray for success in Ruchnius, the first thing you have to pray for is not to see the truth, is not to be distorted by your tithes. You see? So what that Tosis recognizes is the greatest really obstacle to truth isn't the difficulty in ascertaining the truth. It's the blindness that you will employ because of your tithes. It's shaykhad. It's simple. It's shaykhad. It's called shaykhad. The goof is always presenting you shaykhad, which is self-interest. That's the problem. So you're always contending with shaykhan, whatever the form is, whether it be money or taiva or whatever, and so on. This is the problem, and it's a very important secret about Hatzlochah. 
that a tzaddik, if he wants to achieve great levels of ruchnius, right? So what, what are you going to say? Well, you got to learn more, you got to dab more, and so on. Really? No. What you really have to do is you got to work on your timers. You got to work on your meters. You got to work on all the stuff that the body is trying to give you shirchad. Once you've eliminated that, then you got a chance. Which is okay. You know how many times you meet a Talmud Chacham? Which is interesting. Whatever. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've met guys who are really, you know, I'm not saying chas from everybody, but I'm just trying to illustrate a point. You meet a guy, and you look at the guy, the guy's a big Talmud Chacham, and so on and so forth. The guy's a murder about Gaiva. How did that get through? You know what I'm saying? You know, they're kind of, you mean like that, you know? Arrogant people. And by the way, don't be fooled what arrogance is. There are different levels of arrogance. You know, I'm not talking about the guy who says you're zero. No, that's a uh, conspicuous level of arrogance. I'm a guy who, you know, you can see just by his bearing, looks at you, he says, you know, who are you? You know, you know just by his bearing, doesn't say anything. You know, there are many, many, many different manifestations of arrogance. So, But you realize this guy's an arrogant person. You know, a halzik von zirch, as they say, he holds from himself, he's smug, he's sanctimonious, he's self-righteous, whatever, you know. You know, and that's not an evil, that's arrogance, different level of arrogance, whatever. So you ask yourself, how'd that get through? How can you be a tremendous Talmud Chochem and be arrogant? And the answer is, don't confuse me with the facts. Whatever Torah I need to know, I'll know. But, you know, I have a need to feel like somebody. I have a need to be somebody like that. So therefore, whatever's no gea in Torah that says don't do that, erase. I don't look at it. And I will be an arrogant person. Because I need to be arrogant. I need to feel like I'm somebody for whatever reason, you know? So that shechad is going to immediately dismiss aspects of Torah or distort or deny any aspect of Torah that will confront the shechad. This is the rule, you see. And that, that's what answers the question. And that's what Torah is saying, you know? If you want to be a tzaddik, you want to be somebody that made it in Ruchnitz, you know? The first thing you got to work, work on is what? Is the tendency toward shaykhad. Shaykhad. What I'm telling you is a, is, a, is a profound understanding of why we go miss, we go awry. You don't realize that. It's a very profound understanding of what's the problem of human nature. Why is it everybody sins? I don't care who they are, you know, and so on. Why is that? Because there's an aspect of the person that has needs and desires. Whatever, without going into what builds those needs and desires, especially the types. Many guys are on an ego trip. How many times you walk in a place and see what kind of place is this? Everybody's on an ego trip. Uh, and so on. And they don't even realize it. And so, and so therefore they conduct themselves with arrogance or, or snobbery or whatever, you know. And they, they don't realize that. They don't want to look at it. They deny it, you see. And even though they can be tremendous tamid hachomim, because the answer is they haven't worked on their goof. They haven't worked on their psychological or biological forces. And they're not even aware of it. And that will come, that's the shaykhat, the self-interest, and immediately distort anything in the Torah that says, no, you can't do that, you see. So that's a very important concept. And most people are not aware. And the Torah said that by the Lysikach Shaykhat. It's an unbelievable concept. And a chokhem is a guy who's an expert truth seeker. And a tzaddik is certainly an expert truth seeker. Won't help. 
And what's, what's funny about it is the Torah is not saying those guys who are aspiring to be a Tamil Chachum or a Tzaddik. No, we're talking about finished products. It will distort a Tzaddik already a Tzaddik. And the Tzaddik is the Dayan. Right? He's the Dayan. Or the Chachum is the Dayan. We're talking about guys who made it. Tzidkis or Chachma. Right? And all of a sudden they wind up being a Dayan, whatever. The Torah says, I don't care what you've done. You are going to buy into the Shoychan. What a statement about human nature. You know, it's, one of, it's an incredibly profound understanding of human nature and what the obstacles are to achieve any greatness, you see. And this is what the Ramchal is saying. I'm, I'm amplifying what the Ramchal says. That's really what I'm doing. That when we talk about Chumrius, let's understand what we mean by Chumrius. And when we talk about Seichel, what do we mean? And then, okay, what happens between them? This is what happens. Why can't it be? It says that Yetzirah enters when you're Bar Mitzvah. How? That's not true. I want to tell you something. There are ten-year-old guys that are Iluyim. What are you going to do about them? No, by the twelve, they're what? Mature. They. You didn't. You're talking about intellect when you use the word maturity. You realize that? Maturity has nothing to do with intellect. I'm talking about intellect. You know. Yeah. 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 You wouldn't want to take on the Zulnagoyin in a battle of Gemara when he was six. You'd have real problems. Yeah, you know, you, and it would be very ego deflating for you that a six-year-old kid just whopped you. You know, so what are you going to say? Zolnikov doesn't have a yitzitayv. Wow, he doesn't have an intellect. It's absurd. You know, and the average ten-year-old is a bright guy. Come on, they know reality. Sometimes they're better at it than adults. So then, what does the Chazal mean that the yitzitayv enters at thirteen? Good question. I will answer that next week. I will leave you with a cliffhanger. Yes, correct. Yes, it's the instrument of truth. Got the answer now. How can we call the what the real problem is? It's not the seichel. It's the whole other side. The whole shechad. So, so next week we wanted to no, that's wrong.